This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Would you please turn with me to the Gospel of Mark? We're going to continue this conversation. I'm all in. I'm going to read the same passage of Scripture that I've read to you the last two weeks. As we go into this third conversation. The Lord's tested me this week. I don't know if you remember the passage of Scripture that I read to you over and over last week. But it says, pray about everything, worry about nothing. Tell God what you need, thank him for all he's done. Then you will receive the peace that's beyond all understanding. Do you remember that? I know it well because I've prayed it over my life umpteen hundred times this week. Because if I've been on an emotional roller coaster, this week was the week I rode my emotional roller coaster. I'm just telling you that I'm living this thing with you. And my messages that I preach to you, I'm preaching to me. And so that one I practiced heavily this week. Amen? I got to a place where I was aggravated. I was overwhelmed. I was fed up. I called one of my brothers, and he put me, that suck it up, buttercup, get on your horse and ride conversation. Um, But I've prayed that over and over this week, and the Lord's put my emotions back in check and allowed me to get my head straight to push through. So I'm just telling you that as a testimony for me, because I ain't ashamed to tell you that. Pray that prayer. Amen. Mark chapter chapter 12, beginning in verse 29. Jesus answered him, and he's answered a scribe that's questioned who, what is the, the first commandment of all. Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is you shall love your neighbor as yourself there's no other commandment greater than these we've had two different conversations we've touched on the aspects of this verse of scripture this response that jesus gave and we talked about the heart we talked about the heart not being a place necessarily of feelings but the heart being more so the motive behind what we why we do what we do the heart of, of the heart of the matter. It's the real root of the situation. I told you that you can stand in this church and you can lift your hands and worship, but if your heart is not a pure heart of worship where you're not doing it for any other recognition, you're not doing it for any other reason, you're doing it just for the Father, if there's any other reason at all, then your heart is not in your worship. If you're, you're loving somebody in a a marriage relationship and you're serving them and maybe you're doing something more so rather than an act of love but more so that that it's a selfish act so that you don't necessarily have to deal with the repercussions or whatever if you're not doing it simply as an act of service and an act of love toward that other person you're not doing it with the proper heart right so before we can move forward from week one, before we could look at the soul, mind, and strength and the way that we go all in with God, we had to understand the motive has to be in check. All of this has to take place with all sincerity. 
So then we went to the soul, and last week I dug into the emotional side of us. We looked at how we are very emotional people. If you're a person that just, just clams up and you're quiet and you don't do nothing, that's an emotion. That's something you do, and you are emotional. Maybe it's not that you go off the handle, and maybe it's not that you cry all the time. If your emotion is to sit there and be quiet and sit in your moment, you're still emotional, right? And I told you the only way that we bring our emotions in check, the only way that we go all in with our emotional being and the way that we love God is through our worship. The only way that we can ever bring ourselves back, the only way every time I've been at my point this week where I'm just aggravated and I'm like, why, what are we even doing, Lord? I, if I take a moment and I focus on him and I, re, I rechange all of that and I worship him for just a moment, all of my emotions come in check and I realize how small I am in this grand picture of life. I realize how in control he is of my life and I just sit back and rest in that comfort. You with me? Our emotions come in check through our worship. So today we look at the mind. I'll be honest with you, I've struggled with this one this week. So I need you to hear, first of all, this is a disclaimer. I'll just, it's, it's, I'm for real for a minute. I believe that God has given individuals different gifts, abilities, abilities, and talents. There was a neurosurgeon that had been gifted with an incredible amount of knowledge that I prayed over on Tuesday to go into Carter Locklear's back around his little nerves and change a, a piece of bone in there so that he got relief. God had to have given her the knowledge and the know-how, the ability to be able to learn how to do that. You with me? I believe that Carter received a healing from God this week through the gifts and through the calling of that doctor. Okay? You with me? I also am in no way, shape, or form in this message saying that there are not some instances that people need some help. Okay? We need help. Sometimes we need some assistance. Sometimes maybe it's, it's a healing that comes to the form of, of, of a medication, something, a doctor working us through some things. Please don't hear in any way, shape, or form that I'm putting any of that off and that I'm belittling that through this sermon, okay? You with me? There's a difference between abuse and correction. We can abuse the medication, but we can also use that as a point of healing where the Lord's taking us to a new place, okay? So don't, don't hear that at all. Hear my heart. The mind is a ridiculously powerful thing, right? It never stops. Have you ever sat and tried to make your brain stop thinking? You can't. My daddy used to say, what you thinking about, son? Nothing. God be thinking about something. Nah. He said, if you're thinking about nothing, then you're thinking about that you're thinking about nothing. He's right. You can't make your brain stop. You can refocus your attention. You can change the thought process, but you cannot shut down the thoughts that are going through your brain. You with me? The National Science Foundation did a study, and they said that the average person thinks between 12,000 and uh, I think it was, let's make sure I don't misquote it because you might go look it up. Do, do, do. 60,000, 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts per day. 
Sometimes the very simple-minded people are on the 12,000 spectrum, and sometimes the ridiculously overactive people are on the 60,000. But regardless, the average person thinks between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts per day. That's crazy. Your brain is constantly moving. I really want to know. I told Micah last Sunday when we left, I said, I would love to know what happens to my physical body when I step to the pulpit to preach. Because my brain goes into overdrive, my spirit is in divine connection under the anointing, and my body is like, whoa. Really? I would love to know how many thoughts I have go through my mind from the time I step to the platform to the time I step off. And trying to put those thoughts in their place and making sure I'm following the leading of the Holy Spirit and not my fleshly carnal mind. I'm making sure I'm saying what it is that God has given me and not what it is that I want to say sometimes. I'd love to know how many thoughts go through my head. I think I hit my 60,000 within this 30, 45 minutes. The mind's powerful, though. In 2005... Excuse me, that was the National Science Foundation. The Bible talks about several different, there's several different translations for our English word mind. Early on, Old Testament, they believe that the mind was the source of all of it. Okay? We had one inner being, whether it be our mind, whether it be our heart, all of it is the source of our thought, it's the source of our emotion, it's the source of our action. Everything comes from an inner self. And then they got a little bit smarter as time progressed. Maybe, maybe smarter is not the right word because I think they were kind of right all along. But they started dividing it up a little bit as the language shifted. They began to use all these different words. So you read your Bible and you see mind all over the Bible. And there's like 24 different original words that you could be reading, but you only read it as mind. That's why the Bible is so interesting to me. When we dig down and really get into what's going on to the meat, we have no clue sometimes what the word really is saying until we read down and we find what the original language said. So there's two different words that I want to talk to you about, and these are, are different, and I got my funky little uh, somehow to help me say them. Dianua. Dianua. Dianua is thinking through, thinking over, or understanding. You with me? It is the actual act of thinking. You think through something. I, I thought through um, how I was going to get here today. Uh, it was Dianua, that type of thought. I thought with that mind. I had a mind, a Dianua, to get here, right? And then there's noose. Noose is the place of understanding. Noose would be the place of the thought, the place of knowing and reasoning, the seat of understanding. Scripture is really interesting because in Mark chapter 12, what Jesus is saying actually was the Dianua mind. He said you, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your, your mind, your Dianua, meaning all of your thoughts. That means that my entire thought life is all in to God. That I love him with every piece, every, every thought that runs through my mind. Everything is through him. The mind's a powerful tool. 
On May 25th, 1961, President John F. Kennedy set a goal. He said, I want somebody to go to the moon. And it happened, right? It was 1961, the goal was set. July 20th, 1969, after a four-day journey, the goal was accomplished. Nine years it took to put this operation together. Eight years. To put this operation together. All these people had to come together. All these, these things had to be put together in the proper order. All systems had to be set up. All these different individual leaders had to be put in place that all their systems were a go. And then the crew members, the three crew members, and then the three backup crew members take off, and they're gone, and they land on the moon. And Neil Armstrong steps off, and he makes that awesome quote. Do you know it? Anybody know it? A small step for man, a giant step for humanity. Can you imagine the minds that went in to those eight years of planning to get a human being on the moon? And we can no longer say that the sky is the limit because we've been to the sky and we've accomplished all this and our minds no longer can be limited to that. The mind is a powerful tool. But then on Monday, September the 9th, 30-year-old Jared Wilson, associate pastor of California Megachurch Harvest Christian Fellowship, took his life. He left behind a wife, Julia, and two kids. He's written books. One of the books, I thought this was interesting when I read his obituary, one of the books is Love is Oxygen, How God Can Give You Life and Change the World. On Monday at 11 a.m., he was ministering a funeral of a suicide victim. And at 11 p.m., he was a suicide victim. Our mind is a powerful, powerful tool. How, how can we go, how, how can our mind go from a place full of the Word of God? He's directing people. He's helping people heal. His calling, His gifting was helping people walk through mental health crisis. And in a 12-hour period, his mind convinced him enough. He shifted to where he took his own life. Our mind is a ridiculously powerful tool. That's scary. The mind is at the head of the body. The mind's at the head of the body. I don't know how you kill a snake, but when I kill a snake, I cut its head off. Right? The mind, the, the brain, is the central unit of our nervous system. My heart's beating because my brain says so. I lift my arm because my brain said so. Words come out of my mouth because my brain said so. 
The enemy could do anything whatsoever to kill the body, not just this physical body, but this body, the church. It's to cut off the head. I was in a class, and I was a little bit taken back this week when this subject of Jared Wilson come up, and this guy, I don't think he meant anything by it, but he says, how can a pastor get to the point they commit suicide? And he asked it sarcastically. He asked it with like this, family, I'm no better than you are. If anything, I'm the head to be cut off from the body. Right? And I couldn't sit there. The instructor gave this fancy theological educational explanation, and I said, man, I just got to tell you the truth. I said, I'm a pastor. I'm at my first church. We just completed our first year. I said, I did some time in youth ministry, and the thing I was not ready for the most was the emotional roller coaster that comes with this responsibility and this spiritual calling. I said, I get it. I've got pastor friends that struggle. i got pastor friends that have sat on the edge of the bed on Saturday night with a gun trying to, to pray through and move, and God sent the right people at the right time so that they didn't take their life and they stepped in the pulpit the next morning. And I'm just saying that if it, you don't put nobody on a pedestal. We look at all these spiritual leaders that are falling. They're just men and women. But why would the enemy not want to cut your head off to cripple the rest of the body? You cannot do work whatsoever with your hands if your head is cut off and your mind is in the clouds. You with me? I told you, I know my war, I know my war zone. I know my battlefield. I know exactly where I will be attacked. If I'm attacked in any way, shape, or form, it's going to happen right here. Always. And I've had to learn that through failure, through realizing that, man, I missed that sign. I missed that guardrail trying to keep me on the right path. I got to know where my battle starts, and it's always right here. Because if the enemy can cut my head off, if he can take my mind, if he can take my thought life from me, he's got it all. Paul was a speaker to the thoughts. There's this thing called thought chatter. You ever heard of thought chatter? When your mind is just constantly moving and constantly going, it's called thought chatter. Right now, I'm focused on preaching. I'm focused on following the leading of the Holy Spirit. I don't have a lot of thought chatter. But when I get in the car and I get quiet, I'm going to have thought chatter. Chances are it's going to be negative. Right? Chances are when you lay down in the bed tonight, unless you just had an amazing day, the thoughts that come to your head, the thought chatter is not going to be positive. It's going to be negative. Right? When you wake up in the morning and you got a frog that needs to be eaten 
meaning you've got this task, this droided thing, the, 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 the dreaded thing that you got to do, the one phone call you don't want to make. Maybe it's going to work. I don't know what it is. Whatever that thing is that's the least favorite thing you have to do through the day, that's your frog that you need to eat. All that's going to be taking place is thought chatter of how bad it's going to be, how terrible it's going to be. You're not good enough for this. That's going to be a failure. It's not going to work out. It's thought chatter. And we can't stop the thought process. We have already established that. All we can do is refocus the thought process. People believe that meditation is, is the way to stop the thought, to calm the thought. Wrong. All you're doing is thinking about meditating. Right? I've recently done some studying on Christian meditation. Christian meditation would mean I push everything out. I do my very best to empty my mind and take in God. I still don't stop thinking, though. And any other type of meditation where with the, the, the meditator uh, instructors, the people that try and direct you, they're very good at they, of knowing and recognizing when the thought changes, when their focus shifts, but they can't stop thinking. They're just better at staying focused than I am. We can't stop the thought. But Paul said several things. First and foremost, and this is where my disclaimer comes in because I know what, I'm not naive enough to know I'm not super spiritual enough to say that this is just hear my heart. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, he said, For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That doesn't mean everybody can accept that scripture and say, Oh, I'm done, I'm healed, I'm moving on. I'm not saying that at all. Some of us are not deep enough to the place yet where we understand that our root issue comes from not flesh and blood. It's not my physical mind. It is a spiritual darkness that's trying to attack me. I'm not saying we're possessed. I'm not saying we're even oppressed. I'm saying life happens. Recognizing that it's nothing that we can see that's really causing the root issue is first and foremost. And then he talked to the church at Corinth. He said, though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. That means all the thought chatter, all the junk, all the, the quick turns where my mind takes a 95 degree. You think I don't look at squirrels off in the distance? I sit down to write a sermon and every distraction under the sun attacks me. I can stay focused on anything else in the world till I sit down to try to write a sermon. And the only way I make it through is to take the thought captive to obey Christ. Realizing it's thought chatter. It's not beneficial. It's not healthy. It's not what I'm, I'm supposed to be focused on. 
And Paul said, you got to understand first and foremost, what you're fighting against isn't what you can see. That email that pops up that's attractive to me that I check it out and I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a special, that's a deal with some little Caesars. That's not what I'm fighting against. What I'm fighting against is the enemy trying to put a distraction in my life to move me from this moment of time I'm supposed to be focused on. And that sounds little and that sounds dumb, but that's the reality. It ain't got to be some big, huge thing. It ain't got to be some big, huge sin that I'm falling into. It can be the smallest little distraction to take my focus so that I then get on thought chatter and I'm thinking about lunch rather than thinking about the things of God. He said, first and foremost, you've got to understand you're not fighting against anything you see. Every bit of thought chatter, every bit of negativity that comes against you is not coming from anything. Somebody can say something to you wrong. We talked about this the other day. Somebody can say something to me, and if I'm not careful, they don't have a clue what they said was a little bit twisted. It was a little bit funky. But I take in my own spirit, and I spew on it all week long, and I let the enemy convince me that what they did was wrong to me, and they ain't got a clue because their heart was as pure as it could be. We're so easily offended, and it's not because we're going against brother and sister against brother and sister, but we're the, the enemy, the dark, the, the unrulers of the dark would want to mess us up. We're not careful in our marriages. If we're not careful with relationships with our kids, Madeline might do something that aggravates the snot out of me, and if I'm not careful, it's not really Madeline that's messed me up. It's what I've allowed to distract me and get my thought chatter all out of whack. He said, you got to know that it's not what you see. It's your struggle. He said, though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war against the flesh. Take thoughts captive to obey Christ. This is where it all come around for me. Paul told the church at Rome a verse of scripture that you know probably very well. But he said, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. He could stop right there. Don't conform to the world, but be transformed. But then there's this really powerful tail end of that. Because there's the objective, don't be conformed, but be transformed. How can my whole life be transformed? By the renewing of my mind. You tell me that the enemy wouldn't want to cut off my head, wouldn't want to mess up my thought process. That's the whole transformation. Everything about me revolves and processes through my thought life. I know who I am because I have the ability to read the Word. I know that my God loves me because I've had the knowledge. Sure, I've experienced it. Sure, I've felt it. I know, and in my heart, I know the Word of God. But that thought chatter will mess me up. I have transformation by the renewing of my mind. That means the old junk, the old mind, the old thought processes are done. They're gone, and there's a renewal. When my car insurance comes up for renewal, that means the old policy is over, right? 
They can either raise my rate or they can lower my rate. But from that day forward, I'm moving on. I don't get to get the same benefits. I don't get to get. Some of you are excited because your points are dropping off. But it's over. The way that my life is transformed is by the renewing made new, making new of the mind. But the interesting thing is, is Paul didn't use that D word I said a while ago, the thought process, the, the understanding. He used the word noose. He said, because it's not that you change your thought. It's not that you change the way of thinking, not that you change the understanding that you have, but you're to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, meaning the place that your thoughts begin. Noose is the place of under the seat of understanding, the place that my thoughts start from. I can't change the thought chatter. I can't change the junk in my head until I change the place that my thoughts actually begin. So what are we doing? I'm going to think on things that are admirable, things that are pure, things that are holy, things that are worth the thought. I'll be completely honest with you. I have nothing against whatsoever. I have nothing against, if you're looking at Facebook, you're doing Facebook, you might be looking at Facebook now. You better share the Bible app, sermon outlines, all I know. I'm having to simplify some things in my life so that I get everything accomplished that's supposed to be accomplished. And if I'm not careful, when I sit down, I pick up my phone, and the first button my thumb goes to hit is the Facebook icon. I don't even want to see what people are doing. It's like it's like some muscle memory or something that that's where it goes. I can tell you it's like the third button down on the right. That's weird. But one thing that's really been on me all week long, I'm wasting my thought life on Facebook. I'm not going to delete my Facebook because sometimes I need to let you know things. And <laughs> the church Facebook page is linked to my account in some way, shape, or form. So I'm not going to delete it, but I'm just saying. I waste a lot of thought life that I've got to recapture and I need it to go somewhere worthwhile. I don't get but 60,000 a day. Some of them need to be taken captive and they need to be reallocated to something that matters. That's Facebook for you. I can give you something to do if you need something to do. I'm just kidding. Paul said, your life will be transformed when the place of your thought shifts. When you allow God to change the place that your thoughts begin, life is changed. I want to go all in, and I want to love God not with just my emotional being, but with all of my intellect. 